0: approach. Four, three, two, one. No, zero.
1: Listeners, and welcome aboard Costume Station Zero. I'm Bob Mitch, and I'm joined by a very good friend of mine. You've probably seen him around as part of Team TARDIS, as the 10th Doctor, or perhaps as Briscoe County Jr. Uh, please welcome Mr. Pasquale Piro. Thanks for having me, Bob. Ah, long time coming. I know it's got to be weird that you talk to me with uh, your group before you talk to me solo, but at least it's happened. It's done. It's it's going on as we speak. So um, I always start at the beginning, and this might cross over with some of the Halloween talk, uh, but what first attracted you to cosplay? Uh,
0: it kind of... I mean, to go from just liking costumes to getting sucked into the full-blown cosplay, um, it's circumstantial. Uh, I've been going to conventions since I was 12. I'm a San Diego native, so... When we were a kid, my uh, my best friend, his dad would drive us down, drop us off at the convention center. We'd walk up, buy a ticket, go inside, and thumb through old boxes of comic books until we found gaps from our collections. Um, time went on. The odd celebrity would show up. You got your Lou Ferrigno here and there. Um, but it was really there. We were there to find comic books. This is the time before the Internet, so that was really the only time you were going to find obscure editions or maybe – get an autographed edition that would be a big deal to you. Right. Right. Uh, And it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't, you know, there's always been people who were excited enough to wear costumes and it was, it was fun to watch, but um, it wasn't until I started spending time with people who were part of the crafter that it got me more and more interested until uh, it was probably my first Gallifrey one that I showed up as the 10th doctor and my lovely wife always makes an excellent rose and just hanging out with people and seeing how specific they could be and um, what they could do with the medium and seeing that it it really is uh, an opportunity to take my love of things like Halloween costumes up to a level with people who appreciate it.
1: Cool, yeah. Uh, So you you were saying these these early conventions, they were early San Diego Comic-Cons before it blew up? San Diego Comic-Con, yeah. I mean, Comic-Con's been around longer
0: than I have. But yes, um, when I was a kid, it was just it was just like probably hall H size, mm-hmm. um, and it was just full of booths of comic book vendors. Mm-hmm. Uh, it didn't become the multimedia conglomerate that it is now. It was it was really just for comic books, and then they would have the odd you know they would have comic book celebrities, mm-hmm. people who were artists. Uh, my first prized autograph was a Ray number one signed by Joe Casada and that was a big deal to me.
1: Sure. Sure. Yeah.
0: And that was that probably the most thrilling thing that happened at comic con, um, until maybe 15 years ago.
1: Oh, okay. What happened 15 years ago? That's when it started blowing up and becoming the
0: kind of, I don't know what you would call it now. It's definitely more of a pop culture event than a comic book convention. You got the, the periphery comic book booths, but I mean, to see it then it, it did not resemble what you see at Comic-Con now. It looked more like a flea market
1: uh oh, kind of like the old shrine conventions or uh the the Frank and swap meet kind of thing, Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it's it's like in mall
0: rats when they go hide out in the dirt mall. Yeah, yeah, it, it that's what Comic-Con used to look like
1: what um so at what point did Comic-Con transition to the main convention center?
0: That happened, so I went away when I was 18, I moved away to LA Uh uh, for uh, college, and so I missed a couple of Comic-Cons, and it was kind of like behind my back, like off my watch, that it just got bigger and bigger. Uh Um, But even, my daughters are now eight years old, their first, they were four months old when they went to their first Uh Comic-Con, and we bought our
1: tickets there. Sure, sure, yeah. 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 Uh, I think I vaguely remember those days Yeah, my first one was 01 And it was already a fairly big affair in the convention center And I know they've expanded it since then But uh, back then it seemed huge And I believe it was uh, about 40,000 people back then Which I know is like, what, a third or a quarter of what it gets now? Um, yeah,
0: you're, you're talking, you probably came in right when it went from being just a comic book exchange To a pop culture
1: scenario Yeah, yeah uh, well, on a certain level, very cool to be exposed to all that different stuff, you know, whether it's, uh, as you say, the toys or the movies and Japanese animation, whatever. But, um, yeah, it does feel like it misses a little of the heart when uh, it's not about comic. Actually, as I have spoken to many people, if you need to take a break from the crowd, you go to the comic section because that's always usually got, you know, room to breathe and you can move around. Yeah, and it is. It's almost an afterthought. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh,
0: you know, it's Sunday afternoon, I still haven't thumbed through comic books. Mm-hmm. It becomes less of a priority. I mean, I'm not as big a collector as others I know, but frankly speaking, if you're missing uh, a certain edition of The Incredible Hulk, you can go. there are online communities for that. So mm, true. that's not what, it's almost that Comic-Con has become a misnomer for the entire event.
1: Right, it's just the name that sort of carried over, yeah. Kind of like how MTV was all about music videos, and now it kind of isn't. (laughs) That's
0: exactly what it's like. It's still called MTV, but kids today probably don't even know what the M stands for.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, So what do you consider your first costume, the Tenth Doctor or something earlier than that? Well, Halloween's always been my favorite holiday, Mm -hmm. without question.
0: Um, The first time I wore a costume to a convention... um, was a Halloween costume, but my wife and I were going to the Heroes Brew Fest outside of the convention, and they were really encouraging costumes there. And so it was actually Alyssa who said we should wear our costumes. We both had a costume we were very proud of. She loved her. She wears a Wasp costume that comes from Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Mm-hmm. And I had a Riddler that I really liked. And that was probably the first time we went to uh, a convention in costume. And they were both a hit. Obviously, she got more attention than I did. People didn't even know what she was supposed to be, but they wanted her picture anyway. Sure. And then the people who did recognize us uh, kept asking why we went to three different universes, which made us start thinking that if we're going to show up in costume together, we should probably coordinate more. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first time I got really excited about a costume was before the Captain America Winter Soldier movie came out. I We did a group costume of Captain America characters. And I had long hair, so I was the default Winter Soldier. And I was really proud, I really outsourced elements of it. I looked for ways. I looked online to see how I want to do each item. I knew that I wanted to be a comic book version of it. Cause again, this is before the movie. Mm-hmm. And so to do the metal arm, I looked at a couple things online. And I liked the way it looked when people airbrushed, uh, like a compression sleeve.
1: Sure.
0: And so I found like the one airbrush guy in San Diego who was willing to do it and mm-hmm. drove way too far just to have him paint this one sleeve and back and show my wife. And she looked at it and said, I don't get it. Why do you have a shirt with one sleeve painted? And I said, "You see, you'll see." You know, of course, remove the sleeve from my jacket, and and then when I put that jacket on over that sleeve, then she started to get it. Ah. so what year was that? What year did Winter Soldier come out? It was well, the, the year
1: movie f- came out in fourteen. So
0: yeah, so that that lines up right. It was it was it was 2012, 2013 That I really did my first full blown for the sake of convention costume
1: okay all right now um so i know you you've hopped around between comic books and and sci-fi with doctor who uh out of the costumes you've done and we'll hit on them what do you what's been the most satisfying either to make or to get reactions from and they can be two different costumes
0: Uh, i think the answer to both would probably be brisco county jr just because the ratio of how much of it was successful to how much of it i did on my own Mm -hmm. is probably the highest where most of the other costumes I do that look really good, I went to people who already were in the know. Mm-hmm. Like I love dressing as the doctor and there's nothing more satisfying than being in a complete doctor who look, mm-hmm. but when I really went with my costume, I basically asked the people who had already figured out the ins and outs Yeah. and I just took their advice. Mm-hmm. Whereas Briscoe, I really dissected and I did the research and you know, I think there is one more person on the internet other than me, who's ever dressed up as Briscoe County Junior. Mm-hmm. And so there wasn't a lot to go on. And so I had to find the pieces and I had to find the vendors and contact them and negotiate with them until it came out to be exactly what I wanted it to be. So that one I'm really proud of. I also, going back to my hipster-esque younger days, I love the fact that I am the only person and that only people who are really in the know get it.
1: Mm-hmm. Most people are like, "Oh, I like your cowboy costume." Right, right, yeah. Like, what what do you find when people respond to that? Is it a certain age group? Is it more men than women? What What do you find? It's men, thirty five to forty
0: five. <laughs> it's very specific because you know it was it was one season. Yep. It was um, nineteen ninety four. Three. Ninety three. Yeah, that 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 TV season. It was yep. one season. It was. On Friday nights at 8, before X-Files, yep. and that was before X-Files jumped over to Sundays, became a big hit. So a lot of people, even X-Files fans, don't even know that Briscoe. Yeah. But I'll be walking down the halls, and people admire, hey, cool costume, cool cowboy. And then you'll see a man, probably 42 years old, stop, and he'll look at me like a child has just run into Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. And he'll say, are you Briscoe? They light up, and that's it's, it's a satisfying feeling.
1: Yep. This uh, this reminds me of when I was the greatest American hero at Comic-Con. And same thing. It was a certain generation that had to get it. Because there were a lot of people that didn't. <laughs> it's
0: surprising, too, because uh, while it is definitely a cult show, Bruce Campbell is, is a big phenomenon. Sure. And you'd think, because for me the reason I know the evil dead movies even is because my brother my dad and I, every Friday night would watch Briscoe. Yeah. And then we were in the video store and doing our usual look for a video. And we saw this movie with, Hey, that's Briscoe with a chainsaw in his hand. Mm-hmm. And it was army of darkness. We watched that. And then we went backwards into the evil dead movies. Mm-hmm. But it's always surprising to me how few people made that other flip. Like if you love Bruce Campbell so much from the evil deads, you should definitely check out his TV show.
1: The thing with the uh, Briscoe though, was if you didn't see it at the time and, and I watched it a lot, I remember when it was on as I was slowly also getting into the X files and stuff, but I was already consuming a lot of, I guess we'll call it cult television at the time. Uh, I think this is actually like, if I remember rightly, this was the same year Lois and Clark came out. This was also like the second year I was fully, fully consuming Dr. Who, um, I had been watching it since I was a kid, but now I was finally connected to more of a fan group and friends hooking me up with tapes of other doctors beyond Tom Baker. So I was kind of in an exploratory mood when that was on. But I, I had known of Bruce Campbell, at least from Army of Darkness, and I thought it was a cool show. I thought it sucked it went off the air so quickly, uh, but it seemed to me that if you missed it, that was it. It didn't get rerun because it was only one season. And I think it must have a DVD release by now. But that took a long, that was a long gap.
0: It did. You're right. And that—that that is one of the challenges of it. It does have a DVD release. Of course, I have it. Um, and currently, uh, Ewan Anderson is slowly trudging through it just so he recognizes me when I wear the costume. <laughs> uh, I don't think it's been a hit with him as well. But I don't know if I hadn't been a teenager when I saw it for the first time. I also know that uh, Kelly Rutherford's Dixie was a big part of my voice changing, so oh, okay. that was an important aspect for me. Sure. Uh, and so, of course, not only do I enjoy dressing as Br- Briscoe, but when my wife is gracious enough to dress as Dixie for me, there's a whole other level to it for Just, that.
1: Sure, sure, sure. That's a, that's a good wife right there, right?
0: That is a good right. wife, because... <laughs> I haven't worn it, but I understand it is not a comfortable costume.
1: Mm -hmm. I'd I'd heard a rumor. uh, I don't know if this is true or not, but I'd heard that they tried to get Robert Conrad to guest star on it as Briscoe's dad and do like a thinly veiled, you know, Wild Wild West reference. And apparently Conrad wouldn't do it. I don't know if it was a money thing or a snob thing or what, but that I feel like there was a missed boat there to kind of connect those two shows.
0: Um, I'm sure there was. It wouldn't have been to play his dad because uh, Arlie Emery played uh, Briscoe County Senior in the pilot. Mm, mm. And this kind of the, the crux of the plot was that Briscoe County Senior was the greatest lawman of the West, and he was shot down by John Bly and his gang. Uh-huh. And so his son, who was just a, a bounty hunter, came to town and vowed to bring John Bly and his gang to justice to avenge his father's death.
1: Uh, okay. Well, maybe— so as Older lawman or something. I just know I'd, I'd heard it somewhere. I thought that There's was...
0: a lot of fun rumors about where they were going to go with it next. Um, if there was a second season, supposedly he would have settled down and become the sheriff of town, mm-hmm. where all the wacky cast of characters would come through his town. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll never really know.
1: It's almost like Firefly. It's almost like these things. It's like, ah, oh, what could have been? I don't know.
0: The solace there being that Firefly just ended so abruptly, and even with Serenity, it doesn't quite when you marathon it, it doesn't line up beautifully. Um, Briscoe was at least a completely realized plot. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: It almost comes off as a really long um, mini series because they do conclude the entire arc, probably probably aware that they weren't necessarily going to get that second season. Mm -hmm. At least when you watch it,
1: it is close ended, which is, yeah, it's Mm -hmm. satisfying. Ah, Briscoe. So, uh, so putting together Briscoe. What what exactly did you do? If if someone is listening, going, man, I've always wanted to do a Briscoe County. How did you do it? Who did you go to? And what did, what research did you do? A lot of internet trial
0: and error. Mm-hmm. Um, I and this is before. I still am not. I'll never be to the level of finicky that some of my fellow cosplayers are. Mm-hmm. Uh, I appreciate that effort because. Then I go to people like yourself, and I say, "What do I have to do to get the perfect Seventh Doctor handkerchief?" Mm-hmm. And you say this and this and this, and then I decide I'll do two out of three of those.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You yeah. know, so by having people be perfectionists, I go as far as I'm willing to go, and depending on what the item is, I'll mm-hmm. be willing to go further. But for Briscoe, there was there was no. I mean, again, I saw one guy wearing a costume online, and it was one of those things where his wife was a seamstress who had made herself a Dixie costume and he wore it just to humor her. Mm -hmm. And he didn't, he didn't look like Briscoe. I don't know if it's because he wasn't quite in the shape that he needed to be, Mm -hmm. or, um, the fact that he wore glasses with the costume, but I was really starting from scratch. And even the publicity photos for the show are not high resolution. Ah, okay. Uh, I kind of went for the basics of what do you know you need? And you know, Color matching and then era appropriate clothing took me a long way. So I don't know if the pants, for example, I don't know how accurate they are to the ones that Bruce Campbell wore, but I know that I got them from a old Western cosplay website Mm -hmm. and that they are the right color and that they hit me the waist at the right spot. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of went piece by piece for that. I have a very kind mother-in-law. Mm-hmm. Who is not interested in any of this stuff But she finds my weirdness fascinating And so she's constantly Helping me with projects like this So things that I couldn't find anywhere Like his vest she made for me mm. The jacket Is one that I got And I got altered And you've been in this scenario You know you take something for cosplay to a tailor And they look at you like you're insane
1: They It depends on what it is And what you're asking them to do But yeah I know what you're saying
0: it was probably the first time I go to the same tailor now, so they kind of gotten that I'm gonna bring in a jacket and ask them to to ruin the jacket. Mm-hmm. But I I brought this jacket in and said I needed to hit me, you know. I showed her the measurement and she said that's ridiculous. And I was like, just take my money and do what I say. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. She did a great job and it came out exactly what I want. But I think even when she was handing it to me, she thought I was insane for doing that to that jacket. So really, I mean, that's what it, it's,
1: it's it's piecemeal. Um, always, always. Mm -hmm. What did you do for like boots and the hat?
0: The boots are probably the only thing that are furthest away from what they should be, but the brown cowboy boots. And so nobody sees that the hat. I scoured Western stores. I finally found a hat I was satisfied with. I removed the hat band. I manipulated, you know, fortunately with the cowboy hats, the brim, you can manipulate yourself. Usually they're made to bend to your will and so I just kept flattening that until it got to the shape I wanted. And then I found one hat band, a horsehair hat band online. This person only made like two of them mm-hmm. and it was perfect. And I, I nabbed one of them. And so um, I put that together myself.
1: That's great. That's great. Yeah. I mean, how many of these places were local versus online? It sounds like it was all a bunch of online shopping. I would say
0: of the costume the only thing that
1: did not come off the internet would be my
0: boots and my shirt mm-hmm. which it's under three layers the shirt you almost i mean i i all i really needed was a blue denim shirt because once you got on the neckerchief the vest the uh, suspenders and the jacket you see maybe a six by three inch section of my shirt right right
1: no, I got you. It's all about the read after a while, especially if you don't, um, you don't have high-res pictures and you don't have access to an original. You can't even see it on display somewhere or a photo of it on display or whatever. Uh, and it's weird to think that, that, you know, that show wasn't that long ago, but it was long ago enough, you know, where. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, with things like, like going back to
0: Doctor Who costumes, one of the fun parts of being as accurate as possible is that you're going to go to a meetup and you're going to notice these things, and you say, oh, my gosh, the the paisley on your tie is excellent. Whereas because there's nothing high resolution out there, nobody's going to notice um, any of the details on my Briscoe costume. So even if I went to the original costume designer and got the fabric and made my own shirt, nobody else will know I did that. They'll mm-hmm. say, oh, you have a denim shirt on. So there's no payoff to do something to that degree. Sure. It's really about the overall read and it seems to be there. People are happy with what they see.
1: Well, I was impressed when I saw it. I think I want to say it was, was it last year or two years? I feel like it was two years ago. I first saw it and I was like, Oh my God, same thing. I was like Briscoe County. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, no, always a thrill to see those kind of characters that uh, maybe they're not the popular, you know, Spider-Man or Iron Man today, but they're going to, they're going to get some real love. I'm sure as you say, the quantity of reaction of people knowing who you are is low, but those who do really lose their mind.
0: Well, and when I'm going to put effort into a costume, I kind of liken it to, uh, you know, when people ask you, why do you dress up in cosplay? I always kind of liken it to diehard sports fans who will, you know, they'll go to a game in full body paint and they'll, I mean, I don't know if you've ever invested, but a accurate, um, Football jersey is pretty expensive itself, so
1: hmm.
0: nobody's going to do this stuff, though, for just any t- team. You know, right. They're not going to say, oh, we're going to a Bears game. I'm going to buy I'm gonna buy six $700 worth of stuff. They're only going to do it for a team they love. Hmm. you are going to do it for your home team. And so I'm kind of the same way when I do my costuming is if I'm going to put this much time and effort and money into something, it's going to be a character that gets me really excited because hmm. then I get really excited, bring it to fruition
1: um no completely yeah and and you also want to know uh what event are you going to and thus what costume are you going to want to show off there i'm sure there are some events you wouldn't wear a doctor who to you would wear briscoe or or punisher or something and vice versa you know you have to know your your crowd so to speak
0: what what i like too is um yeah it's just that idea that there are different audiences at different different occasions What I got really excited about was I've had more than one Halloween growing up where I gambled and I lost where I thought I'm going to be a costume that I love and somebody's got to recognize it. And then just like, no, nobody knows what you're supposed to be. Whereas if you're going to watch or walk around a convention, Mm -hmm. somebody's going to recognize what you're wearing. So you can really just dress up as a costume that – you don't have to worry about being something recognizable. If I'm going to a Halloween party, especially with what we'll call normies, you know, you're know, you going to try to go, you're not going to be wearing uh, too obscure of a superhero costume. You're going to be like, oh, I really wanted to be Speedball from the first, ep- uh, first New Warriors run, but I'm just going to be Spider-Man instead.
1: <laughs> Apparently, Dragon Con is the place for all these obscure costumes because you'll always find somebody there who will champion the little guy. Um, let's, uh, let's, let's take a stop over at, uh, Gomez Adams. How did that come together?
0: That was actually Chrissy Lynn Kyle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't go to too many events without my wife. Um, I think maybe subconsciously I want to make sure that people know that I can get a date and it's by choice that I am this nerdy and that not only that, but I can be as nerdy as I want and still maintain a relationship. Um, but we tend to do couple cosplay. Mm-hmm. It's something we can do together. It's fun. Uh, and Chrissy Lynn Kyle put it on my Facebook page, said, you guys should do this. And immediately I looked in the mirror and said, that would be a really straightforward one for me. Mm-hmm. And so of course, Alyssa got had to put forth most of the, most of the effort. She's blonde and short. Mm-hmm. And she had to become Morticia. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was almost... A matter of casting. (laughs) I grew a skinny mustache. I put on a pinstripe suit and a bow tie, and it was 99% done.
1: Fair enough. Do you, do you, uh, I mean, I know you're, you're probably going after the movie Gomez probably more than the TV Gomez, but are you, do you do anything with like makeup or anything for your hair, anything for accessories, shoes?
0: It's, it's more of a a, a transitional
1: Gomez, Mm -hmm. um,
0: but I've done it with or without makeup. And I get kind of the same reaction. And truthfully, when you see me in costume, it kind of looks like me anyway, mm-hmm. except I grow the mustache. Mm-hmm. And I do. I have prominent eyes. I have, because of my Mediterranean background, I have dark under my eyes. Um, and I have black hair that I part and slick back. And, I mean, it's really the difference is what I'm wearing. I, I – I, um we went to Kamikaze last year and that's where we were going to be. So, the night before we got there, the night before, I was wearing regular clothes, but I had already grown the mustache. Mm-hmm. And people were saying, Oh, you should be Gomez Adams. I'm like, Well, that's what I'm supposed to be. But <laughs> even without the costume, mm-hmm. it immediately registered.
1: That's good. That's good. That, yep. That's the power of casting. What? Um, so, I mean, what? It, it sounds like you didn't go too crazy on trying to like match the suit to either version. You just got a pinstripe suit. No, because, um, yeah, it's almost more
0: like the iconic um, from the comics, the Mm -hmm. original Charles Adam comics that we were kind of going for. And these are the kind of costumes I often really enjoy are the ones where there is a little room for creation. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you do like a, a, a superhero, like Superman, you know, I know you have a couple great suits. When you do Superman, you kind of have this option of either mm-hmm. picking a specific Superman and trying to replicate that guy exactly, mm-hmm. or if you're going comic style, you kind of go, I know what the iconic moments are for him, mm-hmm. and I'm going to incorporate which elements I like best for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, was, uh, I was at a gaslight gathering in San Diego last year, and I was at a panel about making steampunk costumes, and there were a lot of tips there that didn't just apply to steampunk. But one thing that they said that I stuck with was, when you're looking for a costume, there are always three main points that you need to hit. And if you hit those three, then that costume is going to register. And then where you go from there is up to you. Mm-hmm. And so with Gomez, I knew that the what I needed was I needed the mustache, I needed the suit, and I kind of just needed the eyes. All right. And So once I got the eyes and the mustache, I just found a suit. It's it's pretty on par with somewhere in between. It really looks somewhere in between uh, Sean Astin, so John Astin, edit that out. I don't know (laughs) John Astin, and and Ralph Julia. So it is it's a double-breasted black suit with white pinstripes.
1: Nice. Uh, now when you're doing, uh, characters like, uh, Briscoe or Gomez or even, uh, the 10th doctor, how much do you, uh, want to put into, uh, any kind of performance of voice mannerisms or at the very least posture for photos, posing for photos?
0: You definitely, if you, if, if you know your costume to be a success, it just comes with the game that you have to have a couple poses prepared, mm-hmm. which I always just, um, my daughters have gotten into cosplay and they get a little nervous when strangers take their picture but they're adorable children in costumes people are going to want their picture Mm -hmm. so i always kind of try to give them two to three consistent poses like you don't have to think about it if you do the right pose you don't even have to smile for them just do one of these three poses every time and then you don't have to think about it and that's what i do for myself too i know which and depending on how often you do the costume you know it's to the point where the tenth doctor one of the things people enjoy the most is when you just do just the slightest inflection. Um, at this point, if I wear 10, somebody's going to point out my sand shoes. And as long as you say, they're not sand shoes, they get, they're they satisfied. <laughs> um, when people yell doctor at you, uh, I get a good reaction when I do the two-finger salute. Mm-hmm. The you know, nonchalant, I'm not really into saluting two-finger salute. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, if you're going to bump into somebody, you don't want to just be sorry. You have to be so, so sorry. Of course. As you do as a tenth doctor. So you want to have a couple go-to poses. And if you know just one or two lines, you um, guys, Briscoe, uh, they just want swagger. Mm-hmm. And, but other ones who have those iconic moments, like Gomez, really, they just want me to fawn all over Morticia. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. How, um... So, for the Tenth Doctor, do you have just the, the brown suit, or do you have the blue suit as well? I have both. I have oh. both. Um, yeah. Uh, for both,
0: uh, I got the Magnolia fabric, which they do a great job on. Uh-huh. And then, I actually had Baron Boutique do the tailoring, because they do a magnificent job. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I have the, the brown and the blue, and... I also, this past Comic Con, I did an attempt at the Curse's Invasion pajama set.
1: Oh, 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 yeah, 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 right. The pajamas, right. The, the robe. Um, did, and I assume you carry a tangerine with you. I did. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, Tatsuma. Tatsuma. Um, no, that's great. Uh, do you do much in the way of props or accessories, especially as the doctor?
0: I do. I try to collect the props and it's funny cause you get the, you get the obvious ones first. Mm-hmm. You get your Sonic, you get your psychic paper. I have the glasses. Um, and then you start looking at episodes and you're like, which props are more and more fun. So, um, you get, you end up with the stethoscope. Uh, I had a real score with the yellow squirt gun from the fires of Pompeii, Yeah, which is great for opposing. And, yeah, this is a small collection that just keeps building, building. My latest find was for my wife's Rose costume. Uh, I found the Nokia 3200 that Rose uses as her superphone. We have some plans for a, a little bit of shtick at the next Gallifrey utilizing the superphone.
1: phone. Nice, nice. Um, so I know you don't wear it as often, but uh, wh- how did you put together your 12th Doctor?
0: Twelfth Doctor actually was the right. one of the first Doctor costumes I did, and it was right before the first Gallifrey I went to, they announced the Twelfth Doctor's costume. I mean, if you remember, it was probably what a month before, six weeks before Topps, mm-hmm. before yeah, Gallifrey. Yeah. Right. And I'd already, my wife and I had already put together our ten in rows. Yeah. We were only going to do the one costume that weekend. But this picture comes out, and I was looking at the picture and I said, I could do that in the next six weeks it won't be 100 percent, but there's only the one picture mm-hmm. and nobody else will be dressed as this So i'm gonna go for it so um they hadn't ID'd any of the items so i did them kind of based on eyeballing it right um i found an excellent uh coat online uh kenneth cole that was I'm going to say 90% there, but the tailoring is way off. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was the first time I went to my tailor with uh, this perfectly lovely coat, an overcoat. And I'm showing her pictures and trying to explain to her how I wanted it cut. And she's like, if you cut it like that, you won't be able to fit it over a suit anymore, which is the whole point of an overcoat. Mm-hmm. I said, I don't care. I want it cut. I'm not going to wear a suit under it. I'm going to wear a, a sweater under it. And so at first she's really hesitant to chop this thing up the way I wanted her to, but pretty soon She's looking at the photo, and she's like, wait, no. And I'm telling her how long I want the coat. She goes, no, look at where his hand hits. Like, Here, do your hand like his. See? No, And she got really into it with me. Mm-hmm. And uh, we went back and forth about how tight he wanted it, and she was having me. She's like, I wanna, I'm not making this thing so tight you can't move your arms. But we ended up finding an accord and made that coat just really hit it. And that coat really – 12 is like 9 for me. The coat is the majority of it. If you got the coat looking right – Mm-hmm. Then what goes underneath it is found money.
1: Yeah, I, I can go with that. Yeah, especially when you get into his later coats too. But yeah, I, I could totally. Assist. I mean, really, if you think about it, it's if you're going for to me, classic twelve is always going to be the season eight look, and that's always going to be kind of a yeah, navy Crombie, navy navy slacks, and a red lining that shows off.
0: <laughs> you yeah. Know? So once you have the, you, I mean, especially with the Crombie on, you know, the, those those first pictures, he always buttoned it. It mm-hmm. had the, you know, the, the lining flipped out, but it was so buttoned that again, very little of the, the waistcoat shows up and you get the slim fit, maybe slacks. Mm-hmm. So I've improved on it since I've replaced, I've gotten better slacks. I've gotten a better shirt, um, updated the lining. But that first time for that one picture, people got what I was supposed to be, mm-hmm. but maybe oh. that's just cause it was Gallifrey.
1: Well, Gallifrey and, you know, yeah, as long as you're approximat to me is yeah, is it Navy and do you have that red lining? <laughs> it was also
0: it was also fun because I was standing in line to take a picture with the uh console, the eighth doctor console. Right. And Colin Baker walked up and wanted a picture with all the cosplayers that were hanging out. And because of the timing, I was the only twelve in the room, and so by default I got to be the twelfth doctor in his picture. Nice.
1: Nice, nice, nice. Always good to have moments like that. So uh, what brought you around to Captain Jack?
0: Cosplay's kind of like any collection. You do the ones you want the most first, mm-hmm. and then you start going more. Um, I, I saw the coat at Abby shot, and I loved it. And my wife actually got me the coat for my birthday. And so once you have the coat, then you can't help but keep going with it. And it's always fun to dress as people with a little bit of ego, a little bit of swagger. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: You know, if I can, if I can be in a great suit and look good, you know, so not, not just look like a character, but also look attractive in it. Mm -hmm. That's a Mm win-win. And there's nobody more attractive than Captain Jack. (laughs) I joke that what happened was we were at Gallifrey two years ago and we were dressed, we did the doctor dances. So I was nine. She was Rose in the, you know, the, the Union Jack and the hoodie. And we got our picture with him. And so when we walked up, Alyssa said, "Will you pretend to dance with me? And immediately John Barrowman grabs her and I've kind of stand there like watching them dance together. Hmm. And so the joke is that, um, John Barrowman almost stole my woman. so I stole his identity to win <laughs> her back. I see. Because I don't care what the media tells you, that man has a power over all men, women, anybody in between.
1: All right, all right. Uh, so did you, so. It sounds like uh, you didn't go as far out as like Matt Munson did, putting together like the shirt and suspenders and boots and all that.
0: I did. I have the whole set. Um, I wore it when I did my panel at Comic Con this past year, mm-hmm. and I actually, you know, it's a funny thing about our tight knit community. I looked up captain jack costume breakdown and matt munson shows up who i would have asked anyway so i was like mm-hmm. well i guess he is the authority according to google <laughs> and so i did i used his uh his breakdown to help me but i did i i, I got the whole thing i'm down to i have a, a vortex manipulator i'm happy with mm-hmm. i'm not in love with mm-hmm. that's definitely a the most placeholder of the whole thing but yeah I got, i've got the whole the whole deal
1: all right, and this is based like on Torchwood or Miracle Day? or It is the
0: um, Miracle Day costume with the light blue mm-hmm. and the red suspenders. Mm-hmm. But I think the more I look at it, the more um, iconic the gray suspenders are. So I'll probably do a little tweaking. I'll wear it to Gallifrey, and I'll probably do a little tweaking before then. Hopefully get my hands on a vortex manipulator I'm more happy with.
1: Well, outside of the toy, um, are there basically just sort of, you know, independent leather makers to make this out there?
0: Mine I got from a guy on Etsy. It was reasonably priced, and it's very good. It's not excellent. But mm-hmm. it, for the purposes, because no, there aren't a lot of people making them, you'd think it'd be an easier find. Um, the leather makers are reluctant to make it for you because I think it's too easy for them and almost not worth their time. And the, the vendors I've worked with always kind of get sidetracked by their bigger commissions. Mm. I mean, cause it's, all, it's like two strips of leather. So they, they can't, it's almost not worth how much effort they're going to put into it for how much they're going to be able to charge you.
1: Well, I mean, everything's worth a certain price to somebody, depending on the amount of effort and materials, I guess. But I was, I would know I was just curious. Cause also like, you know, captain Jack as a character hasn't really been seen in like five years. So it makes me also wonder like five years ago, it was probably easier to find people making this stuff. It, it
0: was. A couple of people, the, the names you would recognize, were making them a few years ago. Uh, but I, th- I believe Mr. Munson is going to attempt to make you one, which I know he could do just a, a bang up job on that. So mm, true. that might be the
1: next step. Mm-hmm. Um, well, sidestepping away from Doctor Who, tell me about The Punisher.
0: Uh, this is another one where casting came into play, uh, as long as I can remember. Um, well, you figure junior high, I went with the standard. People said, who's your favorite superhero? It was Wolverine. Mm -hmm. That's what everybody said in the early nineties. Wow. And then in high school, I got really into daredevil and he's been my favorite superhero since. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And so much so that I unapologetically own and enjoy the Ben Affleck film, um, (laughs) Okay. Of course, of course, you know, everybody will say, Oh, you got to watch the director's cut, which I agree. The director's cut infinitely better story wise, but uh, I appreciate the tone. I like the suit. I'm a Ben Affleck fan. Mm-hmm. And so I was fine with the movie. It was also at the time superhero films didn't have the, the quality that they do now. And so I didn't find it. I found it as good as you thought superhero movies were going to get, mm mm-hmm. um, but then the you know Netflix series came out and it is it's everything that I believe the hero and the show should be. Mm. So uh, it's one of my favorite things on television is the Daredevil Netflix series. And when the second season came out, their take on the Punisher, you know, which has been tried so many times mm. and never quite hit the mark, uh, the Thomas Jane Punisher film ranks among the movies I hate most. Uh, <laughs>
1: You know, uh yeah, I, I I feel the pain. I even vaguely remember the Dolph Lundgren movie and how far away that was. And I never even saw what was it War Zone? Was War Zone any good?
0: Yeah. So, the Dolph Lundgren movie um unto itself is a pretty good late 80s B movie. Mm-hmm. You know, it just there's so much more they could do with it. Right. And the War Zone is another one that if you understand the tone they were going for, which is just over-the-top B movie you know it's one of the almost 70s exploitation films mm-hmm. it's actually a lot of fun uh Ray Stevenson's looks the part um the violence is appropriately over the top mm-hmm. so depending on what you mean by good movie when I say the good movie no it is not an Oscar contender um mm-hmm. uh, If you're really hankering for some Punisher action, it satisfies that craving Mm -hmm. in a way. The Thomas Jane one, I just, there's not a single bit of merit to the Thomas Jane one. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Have you
1: seen it? Yeah, I haven't seen it since it came out. So it's like, I have like just like bits of images in my head. That's how much it really uh, stands. was a bad guy, right? Yeah. Travolta was a bad guy. Yeah. And um, it just, he doesn't kill anybody. It's oh a, yeah, and I remember there was a lot with his neighbors. Yeah, there was all this weird. Kind yeah, of he spent a lot of yeah.
0: like, the, it was it was a, about drinking whiskey with a, your shirt off. That's what the movie was about. <laughs> and I remember thinking that if they were gonna have Thomas Jane spend that much time with his shirt off, they should at least dye his blonde chest hair because uh-huh. it didn't match his black hair, mm-hmm. which was like the color that old men when they use like shoe polish on their hair it was like mm-hmm. that kind of black. Mm-hmm. Um, but so then, this Netflix's second season came out, and uh, uh, the Punisher in it is just John Bernthal's performance in it is 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 tremendous, and he he makes a an iconic but sympathetic Punisher, and I was obsessed. And one of the reasons I was like the Punisher as a kid was I have a very specific ethnicity, and the Punisher registered with me. You know, he's supposed to be Italian, mm-hmm. um, and this guy really looked, he looked, he sounded, he felt like the Punisher to me. And then, of course, looking at him, I said, I could look like that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so I came from there. And again, not a lot of people were doing it. So I was like, I'm in. This is, this is, this one, I call dibs on this character.
1: Hmm. Well, um, it, nothing like a good Netflix series to bring uh, a character back out into the mainstream, like the Punisher or Luke Cage. Um and yeah, uh, you know, good call for absolutely. And so, should I ask, like, how did you go about putting this together, or, or is it same old, same old? You just looked for something close enough on the internet, or did had anybody else like at least ided a few things, or what? There were
0: a lot of it was. It was interesting because really the only thing that needed to be custom was the vest. Mm-hmm. But again, it's that give and take where you he wears it underneath a coat. So you really only see the middle of the torso, but it's a make or break moment for the, the costume. And so I just went to a bunch of different people. I saw a guy online who hadn't done the vest, but I really enjoyed his take on the Daredevil suit. And so I asked him, hey, how much? And you know, there were people who were making the vest out of foam for an exorbitant amount of money, and I was just unwilling to pay that much for a foam version. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not even a foam vest. If I'm going to pay that much, I like it to at least be the right material. Mm-hmm. And then everybody else wants to make it out of leather, which it is not. It's a it's a tactical vest, and so it's it's you know it's like a nylon. Right. Right. But everybody wants to make it out of leather because I mean, leather making is kind of the way to go right now. I didn't want a leather vest. I didn't want a foam vest. I would have accepted either if they were cheaper, but it was more expensive to get it out of the wrong material, which is just counterproductive. <laughs> All
1: right good to know
0: so I did find the guy who did a a quality daredevil out of the kind of nylon I was talking about I asked him and he said he gave me a price and I said even though I've never seen him actually make the vest what I'd seen him do I trusted the level of quality and also you know I always get sold by the enthusiasm he was really excited to make this vest and he kept sending me pictures every step of the way about look at this look at that when it was all said and done I love it and as far as the coat was a find. It was it was an eBay find because it's an, an oddly specific length. And I figured I would have to buy a long coat and get it tailored. But I didn't. I found a, a spot on coat because that's the other thing. Nothing was ID'd. Just nothing. Um, and then the rest of it's it's cargo pants and you know, combat boots.
1: Mm-hmm. And the haircut. <laughs> You're right. And the haircut
0: my my barber from thailand we were having a rough time communicating on why i was doing this to my hair and what exactly i wanted out of it i see
1: um so with the punisher i have to ask uh and because this always is a thing at conventions uh firearms obviously fake do you did you deal with that do you or do you just skip that part so for this one um i have every time i need a
0: firearm as funny as it sounds, I have uh, an obsessive airsofting nephew who always loans me his guns. Okay. And so he he wasn't home when I went to pick up. I was like, it's that time again. You know, your uncle needs to borrow a gun for a costume. And he's very non judgmental. So he left me a gun. He wasn't home when I went by there. And I foolishly waited like the day before. Mm. So I went by and he left me the biggest. Um, like assault rifle he had and the thing was heavy. Mm. And so I've only worn the costume once, but this was the gun he left for me. And I was fine with it until I actually got on my way to the convention. And I'm like, I can't carry this thing around all day. Mm. And so my first uh, foray into my Punisher costume was sans firearm. Uh, For the future, I'm going to get a, a sidearm that I can keep in a holster carry on my leg.
1: Smart smart and that way if it gets peace bonded or something you can kind of hide it in the holster that's good
0: i also i will tell for some pictures i ended up so Alyssa was electra and i was the punisher we ran into an amazing jessica jones and a very enthusiastic and wonderful luke cage
1: i think i saw them yeah Mm -hmm.
0: yeah they were like the four of us it was really fun together but when they were taking pictures the photographer asked do you have a gun which i didn't but fortunately Michael Huffman was walking by in his Dante costume and I was like, you have a good Huffman. And you know, I don't know if you know, Michael, but he's a great guy. He comes running up with not even a hesitation. Like I said, can I borrow your gun? And he comes running up and grabs me. He he's the white one or the black one. And he's like, make sure I get the black one. And um, so for the pictures, I did end up with a gun to use, but um, now I know and to be more proactive about making sure I have the right uh, props for my
1: Punisher. Nice, nice. Well, that's good. Yeah, I, I always wonder because I don't do that many uh, characters with guns uh, hardly, although uh, Scott always tells me about what he goes through with the Lone Ranger. And uh, yeah, I understand why conventions are a little leery of any well, well made or good looking replica guns. You don't want to sure. have a, an incident on your hands. Uh, amongst all these characters, uh, what's probably been the most common misidentification you've had?
0: uh, misidentification. Yeah. Um, recently I did a group that dressed as the breakfast club.
1: <laughs> nice.
0: As a group, we look sensational individually. We just look like we we're wearing clothes. Sure. Sure. And I got to be John Bender and I was, uh, you're, you a greaser, are you rockstar, you a biker. And I'm like, come on, if you can't get Bender, like you're not going to get the rest of them are screwed.
1: Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, they, they tend to be... I, te- I tend to gravitate towards easily recognizable, so probably the most common would be Briscoe. I just get... It's assumed that I'm a nondescript cowboy.
1: Right, right, right. Uh, which of these did you find was the most challenging or stressful? Stressful? Um, to put together to make. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um... I, you know, it's coming back to the 10th doctor. The thing about it is because I do spend so much time with people who do dress up as the doctor and love the doctor and, and know the costume in and out, that it becomes an extra level of pressure that, you know, our community is always good about being respectful and it's all about the fun. So they're not going to tear you apart, but you just constantly start comparing and then you start noticing what they did right and you want to step up your game. And so the 10th doctor constantly upgrading. I just find myself, Mm -hmm. um, the fourth, I'm sorry, the uh, brown suit. I actually went through two different brown suits. I had one, I was really fan of the tailoring Mm -hmm. and I was happy with the suit, but the more I saw other people with the the pinstriping was better and I could have spent the rest of my life with my okay pinstriping, but the amount of time I spent in this costume, it was worth it to me to go back to formula and and upgrade that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so the doctor costume probably is the most love-hate. Okay. Ever, every time you fix one thing, then you notice what else isn't quite there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I can relate. <laughs> I'm certain you can. And you're one of the probably three people that I'm happy with my costume until I go stand next to you. I'm like, well now I want to fix this and that. And it's not that you've done anything wrong It's that you did everything right. And now like, well, I can't, I can't stand by him anymore until I go get a, a unique low shirt.
1: <laughs> you know, what's funny too is, uh, I mean, I have like a basic tent doctor I put together. I think I've worn it once to say I, I wore it, but I don't think I've worn it publicly. I usually Kevin or somebody's wearing it. And mm-hmm. so, uh, I know if you're looking at me with something I'm wearing, it's probably not 10. It's probably one of the other doctors. Uh, yeah. but I know I get the same way when I'm near, uh, uh, well, certainly like Ewan and when any of his 11th doctor stuff, granted he goes, you know, he's, he's gone in many, many, many other variants of that costume that I had to draw a line on and go, okay, no, I did one. Yes. I'm done moving on. <laughs> I, I, I can't do all the variants that I'm, I'm reserving that for the almighty Tom, uh, and, uh, but like Andrew, Andrew Elkins, um, he's got a great Tom, but it's more so the casting. He looks so much like Tom in that mm-hmm. outfit that I, after seeing him, I'm like, okay, I have to, you know, I, I'm now going to go change into, into another doctor for a while <laughs> because. Well, people, that's the other thing. You know, when I walk around with Team TARDIS,
0: I have Ewan as the 11th, and Steven's got the, he was born with the attack eyebrows. And so um, I don't immediately read 10. So my costume, if it's not perfect, Mm. you know, I'm in danger of being the weak link. Not that they would ever complain, but I see it, Mm. you know. So if I'm not going to look like David Tennant, I've got to at least have my costume together.
1: Yeah. uh, No, I hear that. Yeah. Um my only consolation is that most of these doctors, at least the classic ones, uh, tend to be older actors. So it means that as I age, maybe I'll look a little more like these guys.
0: As a girl. Well, so, uh, yeah, Alyssa and I constantly talk about. Um, we're looking forward to the time, like eventually. I'm not going to try to be the same young people forever, but I look forward to the day when I'm going to costume events as Obi Wan Kenobi mm. and the War Doctor. You know, I'll just I'll just lean into it and I'll get my Gandalf together.
1: Sure, sure. Yeah. Mm. Hmm. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. yep. I, I can see that. I'm, I'll. Uh, I'll get my heart nail brushed off. You know.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. I, I figure. Give me fifteen years, and I'll make a pretty solid pertwee.
1: <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Uh, I'm in the middle of upgrading a lot of pertwee stuff, so I'm sure by then I can give you some tips. Um, What is your favorite costuming event or convention?
0: easily Gallifrey mm-hmm. Gallifrey one is the reason I have become consistently a con goer mm-hmm. um, before that San Diego comic-con was enough for me mm-hmm. um, the community at Gallifrey the events uh, I just have so much fun there the first year I went it was really one of those to say I did kind of things
1: mm-hmm.
0: and My wife was a sport, and she went with me, even though she's like, what are we to do for three days in a hotel lobby with a bunch of nerds? And I said, I I don't know, but a 50-50 chance, I will not want to leave. But it was she that after we were done with our first Gallifrey, we were driving home, and she started talking about next year as a foregone conclusion. Hmm. So even she would probably – if I said we're down to one convention a year, she would probably agree that Gallifrey is really just the place to be for us.
1: What does what it uh, what does it bring for you, either cosplay or non cosplay wise, that San Diego and Kamikaze and so on does not?
0: Um, I think that the community, um, just so many people who are like minded, um, just talking about something we really really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, you get other smaller conventions and you end up with very little to do. Mm-hmm. So there's that, There's that. There's either too much going on or nothing to do. Whereas Gallifrey, there's constantly things I enjoy. The panels are ones I really want to go to and not just because I'm trying to kill time. Um, the vendors hall is always great. The art's gorgeous. They do a great job of finding us wonderful guests and, uh, just the people I, I, you know, there's, there's lots of reasons you could say that the who community is bigger than other fandoms, but, uh, I just really enjoy the people that you get to be around and their costumes that I find fun. And, you know, you watch the show enough, you get the most obscure costume mm-hmm. and but everybody knows it. You know, it's only that one person. I was at uh, L.A. Comic Con and a girl walked by as a very downtrodden Astrid Perth until uh Astropeth. Until I said, hey, Astrid. And she lit up because I was the first person. She said, nobody knows who I'm supposed to be. I'm like, well, everybody thinks you look like a French maid. Yeah. But if you were a Gallifrey, mm-hmm. she would have slayed because the costume was excellent. So mm-hmm. you, you would have killed it if you were a Gallifrey. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's just, um, it's like a big party with everybody who agrees with you on everything.
1: I don't know about everything, but I know what you're
0: saying. Well, even the things that, but everybody's there to argue too. So. <laughs>
1: That's 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 a very good point. It's a very good point. But that's great. And did your uh, did your wife get into Doctor Who because of you? Was she already a fan? Or
0: we we didn't get a lot of exposure to the original series. Uh-huh. But believe it or not, we've been together longer than the modern Who has been on. Got it. And so we got into it together. We were already. She grew up. Her dad's a sci fi fan. She's she grew up on Star Trek. Her favorite being Next Generation. You know, nobody's nerdier, goofier than me. And so that's one thing we had in common already. Mm-hmm. We already love pop culture. And so um, when somebody said, hey, if you like sci fi, you should be watching Doctor Who. And by that point, it was available on Netflix um, pretty immediately. Because I, I believe, because that's where mm-hmm. I, I, I got to assume that's where we were watching it. And it had just come, I mean, I think we got into it season two. Okay. Because somebody said, oh, there's a new Doctor Who out. And we're like, that's our wheelhouse, so we give it a shot. Um, And it was just like, it's odd how much it immediately became the theme we wanted to watch the most.
1: That's great. That's great. Um, I'm always pleased to see how this show progresses and reinvents itself and keeps a new generation coming back. I mean, almost miraculously, if you think about, and I know that, You didn't come off the classic series. You weren't really around biting nails waiting for it to come back in the 90s. But um, there really was a point where, as a fan, as much as I loved it, I thought it was dead. I thought it was never coming back. And uh, and when they announced the revival, I thought, we'll get one year. It'll be an experiment. It'll still fail. That'll be it. (laughs) And and you move on. I did not expect it to take off. Yeah, you look
0: at the, the, the conception of the original series, it shouldn't have worked in the 21st century. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they had to make some bold changes to make it work, but, I mean, I still don't... You, you ask me, what's the premise of the show? And I'm like, it's really, really dumb. <laughs> but it just works in the most bizarre way.
1: I mean, I guess so, but I mean, there's a lot of sci-fi shows you can say that about. I think the key with Doctor well, Who is that it's very versatile, you know, that premise allows you to, to go to a lot of different settings and do a lot of different tones.
0: Well, I think that's why it's my my show that I keep going back to is no two episodes have to be alike. It is a vague enough premise. They can literally go anywhere, any time. Mm-hmm. And so you could write just a wonderful plot. As long as you keep the spirit of who the Doctor is as a character, mm-hmm. you can really write any episode you want
1: in the whole world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, some are murder mysteries, some are almost comedy, some are straight up. You know, let's stop the monster or the bad guy or uh, rebellion overthrowing some evil regime. Um, you gotta assume that yeah. at some
0: point, a lot of those writers like had a story they wanted to tell, mm-hmm. and they're like, if I just adjust the protagonist, I'll just make it a Doctor Who episode.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I know Moffat has said, uh, what is it that um you know, you have a good doctor who idea. If you've blown a feature film, like, like that, that could have been a feature film over here. I could have written, but instead I'm going to take that and make it a doctor who.
0: Yeah. That's totally valid. Mm. -hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, as a side note, have you watched class yet?
0: I have not. Mm. Um, I probably won't end up seeing it until it shows up in America. Um, I have the worst luck with pirating television. I'm not against it by any stretch. I'm just terrible at it. Mm-hmm. So I usually end up just waiting for it to come legally. It's, my own sanity.
1: it's strange that it's the only sort of new doctor who that's on right now, including an appearance from Capaldi in the pilot. And there's uh, very few people I know have seen it. They are vague. Some aren't even aware of it. I know because it hasn't been heavily pushed here yet. Um, so it'll be interesting. And I think there's all, I feel like Dr. Who fans, especially American Dr. Who fans tend to be very dismissive of the spinoffs, except for possibly Torchwood. Um, and uh, they're like, oh uh, yeah, especially cause it's sort of, it falls almost between Torchwood and Sarah Jane, you know, uh, the way it's pitched. Yeah. So I think it's like, uh, yeah. And I, I think also like there's a part of me that will forever lament after the 50th, that we never got any kind of eighth doctor, web series or side series based on the success of that mini show that they did. So to me, that's like, why did not they do that? Oh, great. We're going to get this instead.
0: I also, I think it's weird because when the it was first announced, I know that everybody was really enthusiastic to see the spinoff, but um, everything you read about it, they just really want to make it clear that we're not Doctor Who. We're way different. And I wonder if they realized the reason we were Looking forward to it is because we wanted Doctor Who. Uh,
1: yeah, or something that felt like it was clearly an extension of Doctor Who. I mean, actually, Sarah Jane yeah. in many ways still feels like it takes place in the universe of Doctor Who. Torchwood depends on the episode. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Um,
0: yeah, but I just but neither of those shows ever uh, once tried. It, it, it seems like class is trying to distance itself mm. from the fan base that would. I mean, I don't know how good it is, but it it's going to be made or broken by the Doctor Who fan base.
1: Yeah, probably. I also wonder if they knew early on that there was going to be this gap year and they cooked it up as a way to help fill the gap, Um, at least in England. Um, I I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, We'll we'll see. I just know that, you know, and I'll I'll give it a chance. I've watched all the spinoffs except for K9. I only saw the pilot of K9, which I'm not regretting not seeing the remainder of that one, <laughs> but, um, but I, I, I don't know. I think, I think at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, we need, we need the real deal. I mean, spinoffs are okay, but yeah, the, n- none of them to me are, are a full replacement for the, the parent show. It's kind of strange yeah. to me that we've had successful doctor who spinoffs in this day and age. I mean, they tried it once in the classic era and it died pretty quick. It died after a pilot and then, we haven't had any since then. So the, the concept that you could actually have had two successful spinoffs from this show uh, also kind of foreign to me. It's almost like I, if I could tell my my um, 14-year-old self this back when I was just marathoning a bunch of tapes in my bedroom and it was the height of uncool to like Doctor Who um, that this would be happening. He wouldn't believe me. Yeah, I, don't
0: know. I think the height of uncool is a, is a bold statement, but um, I guess it depends on who your audience is. But um, I just, I feel like when I wanted to look for a spinoff, I wanted to capture that spirit mm-hmm. of the original. And it seems like that's not what they want to do. I mean, even, I I, I love a lot of Torchwood, but um, I, a lot of that for me is just carried on John Barrowman's shoulders. Mm-hmm. Um, if it weren't for his likability, uh, it's definitely not a show that I would obsess over.
1: I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. No. Um. I have a love hate thing with Torchwood myself. There's some I like. There's some I really didn't like. I was very cold with Miracle Day. Um. But I generally like Children of Earth. So you know. Uh, but that's also, another. Um, no. Start going.
0: I was just gonna say we watch Doctor Who for the optimism, mm-hmm. even even in its darkest hours, and it just seems like Torchwood thrived on misery and for being the five biggest uh alien catching experts on earth
1: they were terrible they did mean, a really <laughs> bad job they really weren't qualified for their jobs at all dysfunctional they were a very dysfunctional group yeah i i got it yeah 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 um, yeah, the, you know, the thing that I remember when Torchwood was coming out and they were doing the whole uh seeding it in season two and everything, even the Torchwood we saw at the end of season two seemed more capable <laughs> than, than some of the Torchwood stuff I did see. Uh, when, the more I was looking at it, the more I'm like, why didn't they just make Unit the spinoff? I mean, I mean, Unit seems way you know, there's a long entrenched history of Unit, and they're they seem much more on it it invites brigadier cameos or any of the ex-unit guys could come in and have some role there and you could have some fun with that the idea that it's a military organization that's specifically designed to take on you know alien threats and maybe they've learned a thing or two from the doctor and once in a while you could even have the doctor show up because he always works with the unit I mean it just seemed like a win-win but they didn't go that way and I thought that was so strange but whatever I think that they were
0: marketing off of John Barrowman's likability fair enough Fair
1: enough. Fair enough. Had this been 1975, I'm sure it would have been Unit, the spinoff, but whatever. Um, All right, three questions and I'll wrap this up. Um, (laughs) What costumes are you working on right now?
0: Right now. Um, We're planning in general. We are currently looking into some of the. DCCW. Um of all the the comic book adaptations right now, we're really enjoying the CW's uh Legends of Tomorrow. Mm. Of all the shows you're looking for to give you a Doctor Who fix other than actual Who, Legends of Tomorrow is the closest. Mm. Um and so we are talking about doing a group for San Diego Comic Con of D C C W characters. Mm. And other than that, I just finished that Punisher costume. So what I'm actually currently looking for is opportunities to wear that costume again. Because you make this costume and you're like, oh, I'm going to wear this all the time. But then, of course, a new idea comes to your head immediately.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, So that's the big question is, am I looking to wear this costume again because I was so satisfied with it? Or what is my next? There's a couple ideas we have. of I was hoping to maybe, you know, in my off season, I like to have a beard, but I just never have characters that wear beards. Mm-hmm. And so I was hoping to try to pull off an entire con season of bearded characters. Um, starting off with perhaps Will Riker.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Transitioning into uh Ravi from iZombie. Okay. And then wrapping it up with um, after the most recent trailer for Logan, I looked at my dark-haired daughter, Kara, and thought, what if we were Logan and Laura? That would be pretty cool.
1: Okay. All right. I see it. Sounds like fun. Um, yeah, I know. Trying trying to plan the right costume for the right event. And, and how, much do you, how much do you want to do that versus, hey, I want to give this other costume that's awesome a little more time because it's only been seen here and there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we only
0: have so much closet space.
1: That too. That too.
0: That's actually, if you're asking my next project, my next project is a little bit of cleansing. <laughs> uh, you may see some of my stuff popping up on Heroes for Hire mm. soon enough.
1: Okay. Well, no, hey, no, hey, exactly. If you feel you've run its course and it can help fund the next project, do it. Absolutely. Funding the next project would be the key, yes. Yes. Um, so what is the most important thing? Could be a philosophy, could be a shopping trick, or painting or sewing trick that you have learned in the hobby of cosplay?
0: Ooh, the most important thing I've learned. Well, philosophically, I think it's important to remember that this is a, a hobby. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like any other hobby out there, what you want to put out of, what do you want to get into it is what you want to put into it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you and I, if, if we were both stamp collectors, you know, I could perhaps have, a hundred different stamps that I've been collecting my whole life that are the most obscure, most expensive stamps. And maybe you just like to, every year you get the new holiday stamp and put it in your book. And we're both stamp collectors at that point. And even though I might have a stamp that is priceless with an upside down duck that was misprinted, I can come to your house and you could say, this is the first Christmas stamp I ever got. And I can say, that's a really cool stamp. Mm -hmm. It's still worth exactly 25 cents, but it's I can still enjoy it Mm -hmm. and I just want to make sure that I always remember that like I just enjoy looking myself in the mirror and thinking I look like the character that I like Mm -hmm. and so philosophically I'm just in it for the fun Um, they have other things going on but this is something that I do for the pure joy of it and if it at any moment wasn't fun for me it wouldn't be worth my time at all as far as techniques um, I'm a big fan of not reinventing the wheel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I collect people who know what they're doing and I'm really <laughs> nice to them <laughs> so that if I need, you know, if I need to know, did the eighth doctor wear a green jacket or a black jacket? I know oh that there's a couple of people whose opinions I trust.
1: Oh my God. Yeah. if only you were on the forums in 2009 and 10 all right go on well that's what if somebody were
0: to look at my that our text history between you and me it's mostly every couple months i post a question like hey what company made the shoes that the sixth doctor was wearing i thought i never make the costume Mm -hmm. i'm just collecting data
1: Mm -hmm. yeah i gotcha i gotcha um So along the same lines, what is your number one tip to anyone starting out
0: in cosplay? I would say that the best way to go, especially if you're just kind of getting a feel for it, is to backwards plan. In other words, look at the end result first and then decide what's going to get you there. You know, some people, uh, you know, you will talk to cosplayers who have five items that are going towards this costume. That's never going to happen because they just started gathering them. Um, You know, when you want to be the 10th doctor, you need a pinstripe brown suit, blue shirt, a tie and some converse. So you look at that and then you decide what's going to get me there to the level that I'm satisfied. Right. Yeah. So look at your end result. You know, just like when you're planning a road trip, you think about, where you're going to end up, and then you plan the road trip, how long you're going to take to get there, mm-hmm. which roads you're going to take, how much gas it takes, stuff like that. But don't get caught up in the minute details. Those come after. You know, Even those of us who get really nitpicky, we look at the big picture first and then decide which details are worth it along the way.
1: No, mm-hmm. well, good advice. Uh, well, that about wraps it up on my end. Are there any final thoughts?
0: Uh, no, just I enjoyed being on this, and I really... I mean, I just really enjoy seeing other people's stuff and dressing up in costumes and knowing that other people agree with me.
1: <laughs> it's uh, uh, it's one of those things, once you start and you start to enjoy it, whether, as you say, um, you enjoy looking like said character or trading tips with others or getting a great reaction from another fan, especially children, uh, I think it just starts the snowball. It's hard to stop. It's also, I mean... People get embarrassed by it, but it's really funny
0: when somebody, you know, finds out that that's how you spent your weekend. You know, you get a Facebook friend who says, why are you wearing this costume? Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't have a good answer, but I enjoyed it. (laughs) Like, I don't have an answer that's going to satisfy your curiosity.
1: (laughs) It is nice, though. We do live in a day and age. uh, Thanks to, I I would say, rise of convention culture, the the whole rise of of geek pop culture that this is a more accepted thing than it was 15, 20 years ago. Um, it, you would even, you would get even stranger looks if people found that out Unless, like, Oh, I'm paid to do this by this company. Then they're like, okay, whatever. Um, and the few people that still give me an odd look when I tell them that one of the things I do is I'll make an appearance in a costume for, you know, children's hospital. Uh, then you get people to back down and go, Oh, okay. Like, Oh, it's for good cause, you know?
0: And uh, yeah, cause that's the thing. It's, it's not, like people accept that I'm weird. Most people who've known me more than a month know I'm weird anyway. Hmm. So it's not that they mind that I wear costumes. It's that they can't understand the why. So, yeah, if you give them a, a concrete answer, like, oh, I dress up for children's events, they'll leave you, They'll be fine with that.
1: Yeah, They just hmm. want,
0: they want it to make sense to them.
1: Yep, exactly. Exactly. Well, Pasquale, thank you so much for being on. Thank you for having me, Bob. Uh, I look forward to hearing about more of your other costumes, uh, whether with Team TARDIS or on your own. And with that in mind, we'll be back next week with more Shop Talk here on Costume Station Zero.